Church experience online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful Growth Step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you the opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. So I was in a life group here at CE, and one of the guys in the group was telling me some stories I could not believe. He said, when I was young, I grew up in this neighborhood where right behind us, there was a development going on, and they were building new houses, but first they had to lay all the roads, and they had to lay the the drain pipe and all this stuff, and he goes, it was really for a young boy. He goes, "It it was like this adventure land. You know, apparently his mom and dad didn't care that he played in this construction zone, so he would go out, and he would just climb around on stuff when all the construction workers had gone home. He would just have a great old time. Not a very safe environment for a child, but he just, he loved it. He was little, and he just having a good time. He told me this terrifying story about one time when he crawled in to a drain pipe. You know, it looked like an adventure. He'd just crawl in, see how far I can get. And he barely could fit in there. He's a little boy, though, but he was able to get in. And, and he started crawling his way through this drain pipe. And he gets in 30, 40, 50 yards. How many of you are claustrophobic? Anybody here claustrophobic? All right, we got a lot of you. This would pretty much be your worst nightmare, okay? Because he gets in about 30, 40, 50 yards and he realizes that he's not gonna be able to make it out all the way to the other end. And he feels a little stuck. Now, nobody knows he's in this drain pipe. Nobody. And he's in there in the dark and he's stuck. And so it's a miracle that he, he was able to inch his way backwards out of this pipe and escape. Thank God he lived through it. And he told me about another story. He's like, you know, I was there another time just kind of exploring around and this was up north. So they were building a basement in this home. And so they dug down deep. They built the foundation, but also they, they poured where the, fo- the foundation of the basement would be. And so it's this big drop down into this big area. And he thought, well, this would be fun to go hang out in there. And so he climbed down in and he's, you know, playing around, having fun as a little boy would. And he's ready to go and head home for dinner. And he realizes that because they had not framed out the stairs yet, there actually was no way for him to get out of this pit that he's down in now. So he's jumping. He cannot get out of the, up over above the basement wall because he's a young boy. He's literally stuck. He's yelling, help, help. And he's literally stuck in this hole. Thankfully, one of the construction workers was coming through to check on the site and heard this noise and came over and lifted him up out of the, the pit. These stories were amazing to me. And, and especially when he's thinking about being stuck down in this, this pit, this, this foundation that they had poured in this home. You know, I was thinking about how every time I've ever seen a building go up, they always build a foundation first. There's, there's always a foundation. It doesn't matter if it's a small building or if it's a high rise. If you ever see a development project, you see them dig up the dirt and pour down a foundation, then they build up. See, a builder could tell you that there's an incredible importance in the strength of the foundation. 
before you can build up higher, before you can build bigger things, you have to dig down and build stronger things. And I titled today's message, The Strength Test. Over the next few weeks, we are going to study characters of the Bible and the strength of character that they have. Because the foundation of your life, the foundation that God will build on to do greater things in you and around you, it will come from the strength of your character. First of all, the strength of your faith, your relationship with Jesus. But second to that, it will be the character of your life that determines the direction of your future. I'd like to begin by just asking you a question today. It's in your teaching notes. And simply this, how strong is my character? How, how strong is my character foundation? I want you to write it down, but I want you to think about it. And I want you to think about it in the terms of a story that we're going to look at today. The first character we're going to study is a guy named Nehemiah. Everybody say Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a great man of God, a great man of faith, and he had really strong character. If you were to apply the strength test to his life, he had a lot of strength. Strength of heart, strength of soul. He was, he was a strong man of God. And he has an incredible experience that happens to him, but it begins with a burden. It begins with a vision. And if you want God to do bigger things, a lot of times it begins with a burden. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. So he was ruined because God's city was in ruins. He's brokenhearted about something. Is there something in your life that you look around and you say, you know, that's just not right. It might be in your own life. It might be in a life of a friend. It might be in our city, in our, our world. But you're like, man, that just shouldn't be. That's not a good thing. And it, and it broke his heart. And it caused him to weep before the Lord. And it says, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, and we have his prayer recorded here. He says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your ears open to hear the prayer that your servant is praying before you day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and the laws that you gave your servant Moses. Here, Nehemiah has a burden. He's brokenhearted. He weeps before God. And, and if you want God to do bigger things, if, if you, you ask for greater things in your life, if you want him to do more, it usually begins on your knees with a burden, a burden of brokenness before him. The greatest vision usually comes from identifying a need or a problem. And, and, and here, Nehemiah sees something that's not what it could be. What in your life is not what it could be? What, what cracks are there in your foundation? What, what is it in, in your world that you see and you say, man, this, this is not pleasing to God. This needs to change. You know, a great filter in our life as we're discerning vision and what we want God to do in us is, is this for me and my glory or is this for God and his glory? See, Nehemiah, his vision wasn't about him. A lot of people chase visions, but they chase visions for themselves. In Philippians chapter two, verse 21 
It says that the most people, uh, they, they live not to please Christ for his mission, but they, they live to please themselves. It says it this way, it's here on the screen. Everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ. They live for their own mission. They live for their own vision. So Nehemiah here, he sees a problem with God's people. He sees, he sees an issue. The walls are torn down. He says, I want to do something about that. And this vision was not for him. It was selfless, not selfish. Is, is your vision, is your ambition, selfish ambition, or is it ambition for God? I want God to be pleased with my life. Well, when you get a vision that's birthed out of a burden for God and his work, and when you're doing it to bless others, not yourself, that's unstoppable. And Nehemiah, as we're going to talk about his strength of who he was and his character and what God did through him, you got to begin by looking at what his life, his story really came out of. It came out of a burden to please the Lord and live for him. But we're not going to talk about vision today. We could, but we're not going to talk about vision. We're going to talk about the strength and foundation of Nehemiah's character. See, before Nehemiah knew that he could go forward in vision, he had to go back and address the foundation of his life. See, he wanted God to build up the walls of Jerusalem. He wanted God to build up bigger things, as many of us in this room want God to do in our lives, in our families, in our heart. See, God, I want you to build up. He knew that he wanted God to build something up, but listen, before God could build up, he had to dig down and address the character foundation of his life. And he does that through his prayer. He confesses his sin. And he confesses the sin of God's people, of his own family. He says, so God, there's this, this history we have and we've rebelled against you. See, our, our fundamental crack in our foundation, if you will, our fundamental problem is this sin nature. Do, do we have this nature in us that wants to rebel against God, make ourselves a God, do what we want instead of what God wants? And that gets us in trouble. It unravels our life. And, 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 and Nehemiah addresses this first. He knew that before he could go forward, he had to go back and address the foundation. So here's that question again. How strong is my character foundation? You wrote it down, but think about it. How strong is the foundation? How strong is your foundation? And as I was thinking about this, we started talking about foundations at the beginning. I was, I was thinking, you know, there's a big difference in the kind of foundation that you build depending on what you're building. Because if you're building a garage, your house, a little two-car garage or a little shed out back, you probably want to put a foundation down. But if you're building a 40-story tall high-rise, think about the difference in that foundation versus the foundation of a little shed in the backyard. They both have one, but one takes an immensely, amount, immensely larger amount of work to build it. If you're building a high-rise, you dig down, they dig way down in the ground. It might take them six months or a year just to build the foundation. And they've they're, they're got architectural plans, they're, they're pouring it, they're, there's, there's all kinds of work that goes into this. They're digging way down in the ground, making it strong. Why? Because they know that the stakes are infinitely more on this high-rise building versus a little garage in the backyard. Both are important, but one is way more significant. One has way more stakes to it. And some of us in our life, we're saying, well, character, that's not that big of a deal. Okay, Brandon, I got it. I need to have character. It's not that big a deal. Do I have cracks in my foundation? I got a few of them, but it's, you know, everybody's, got, everybody's got flaws. No, no big deal. Well, and to some extent, maybe, that, maybe you're, you're partially correct. If you only want God to build some average things in your life, if you only want God to do some average things in your life, in your marriage, your family, your future, then, then maybe your foundation, maybe you can, you, can, you can get so far with just having an average foundation. 
but many of us are begging God and we're saying, God, would you do something greater in my life? Would you do something greater in my future? Do something greater inside of me? I want to be all that you want me to be. God, I want to do all that you want me to do. And if that's your heart, if you're saying, God, please do more in me, then, then you've got to dig further down. You've got to build a stronger foundation. Because God can't bless you in the way he wants to, in the way you're asking him to, until you have a stronger foundation. He knows it'll ruin you. See, if God puts blessing in your life and your foundation is cracked, what happens if you build a, a tall building on a, on a faulty foundation? It can crumble under the weight, and the same is true in your life. The other thing is it can ruin you because if God blesses you and you don't have the right foundation, you don't have character in your life, then what's gonna happen is when he pours in the blessings and answers to prayer that you're begging him for, what you'll tend to do is start to worship those things instead of worshiping God, and he doesn't want that to happen. So a foundation, we have to begin there before we move forward. See, Nehemiah knew that going back to the foundation, just like in any area of life, if you wanna be great at something, you become great at the, the basics, the foundation. You go back to the beginning. You go back to the core. You strengthen the core for immeasurably more. That's, that's where you go every time. And Nehemiah knew that, and so he knew the words of Psalm 127, verse 1. It says that if, if the builders build the house, but it's not the Lord that's building it, then they're laboring in vain. He, he knew that if it's, if, it's not, if it's not God that's the one building it, it's just our work, then we labor in vain. He knew that. And, 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 and if you build great things in your life without them being God things and without a foundation under them, then at best, they will be an idol that you worship, and at worst, they will crumble and fall all around you. But make no mistake about it, building character and building strength into your life so God can do more in your future, it's gonna be work. It's gonna be hard. Every step of it will be hard. I mean, a lot of us, we want God to do, to do more in us, but man, it's, we expect it just to come naturally and casually, and then we're surprised when it doesn't, and we give up. But it's hard. Every step is hard. When I was in high school, I got the dream job. I had quite a few different jobs through high school. And one of the jobs I got, my employer told me, he's like, hey, Brandon, I'm gonna drop you off at this work site. And you see this garage over here? I want you to just tear it down. I was like, you want me to do what? He's like, here's a sledgehammer. I'm gonna give you three days. I want you just to level it. Put all the debris in the dumpster, just tear it down. I'm like, you just, just want me, that's it. Just tear it down, the roof, walls, everything. He's like, just, just level it. You got it, boss. I'm in. <laughs> so he pulls away. I'm like, thank you, God. This is like every guy's dream. Like, I get this sledgehammer out there. I'm just whacking away at this thing. I'm pulling the roof off. I'm having so much fun deconstructing this building. And it, that day I was walking around on the, on the work site through all the debris, and I, I was walking toward the dumpster, and I, I took a step, and it was a very painful step because, ah, I stepped right on a nail. And I, I looked down, this thing went right through my shoe, and I pulled it out, and kept walking, but man, now every step I took the rest of the day was just sore. I, that foot was just real tender. I nursed it that night, and I came back the next day, but I'm, I still got that limp, and I'm tearing this building down, still having a great time, ripping stuff off, throwing it in the dumpster, and I'm walking back through the work site, and I, I take another step, and oh, man, that was painful, and my other foot, no, I stepped on a nail. I'm not kidding you. I stepped in a nail two days in a row, one nail in each foot, so both of my feet had been pierced by a nail that week, and the rest of the week, I mean, I finished my project, but the whole week, I'm just like, like every step is painful. I could not step anywhere the rest of that week without feeling pain. Like every single step was so hard. 
And some of us, you know, in order for God to do more and build a foundation even in our life, we're going to have to deconstruct. We're going to have to tear down some bad habits and uproot some things in our life that are not pleasing to God. We're going to have to pull some things apart and throw them away and get rid of some stuff, clear some space so that God can build more in us. But I'm just telling you on the outset that that's going to be incredibly difficult. And don't you think that God is going to do some great thing in your life without it costing you greatly? It will cost you so much and it will be so difficult, but it will be so worth it. And a lot of people oversell what, what in the world what you're going to get out of something, but they undersell the cost for it. Hey, it's only this much and this is all you're going to get. And then you get into it and you're like, man. That cost a lot more than what I imagined. I didn't know about all these hidden fees and costs and extra time is going to go into it. And it wasn't as great as they sold it to be. That's our world. God always does the opposite. He always does the opposite. He always surprises you by over-delivering. Whatever you think God can do in your life, whatever you think God can do in your family, whatever you think God can do in your future, I'm telling you, it's immeasurably more. You can't even quantify how much more God can do, what he wants to do, what he's capable of doing. But... He always elevates the cost. He doesn't say, oh, it's not going to be a big deal. No, he says, hey, you want, you want something? Take up your cross and follow me. It's going to cost everything. You've got to surrender all of it. Die to yourself. I mean, this is the language that Jesus uses. So if you want God to do more, just know he, he wants to do way more. But he makes us aware of the cost. And every step, it's just going to be a challenge. But it is so worth it. It is so worth it when you can step back and say, wow, God, look what you've done in my life. And Nehemiah, he's got this burden. He wants God to do more, but he realizes that there's going to be a strength test, that this wall around Jerusalem will not be rebuilt easily. So he goes to God in prayer, and that's the first thing that you want to do is bring your burden before the Lord, bring your need before the Lord, bring your problem before the Lord and say, God, I need your help. I need you to build it. The laborers labor in vain if it's not the Lord that builds the house. So God, I want you to build this house and be strong in it. Nehemiah chapter 2 he gets into a conversation with the king. The king sees his face. He sees that he's downcast, that he's sad. And I heard one Bible teacher teaching on this in chapter 2, and he said that, that it was a huge deal for someone to express sadness in the presence of a king. It could be a crime punishable by death. In fact, they took their court laws very seriously in this era uh, if you were in the presence of the king. In fact, you can see this even if you study the book of Esther in the Bible, where she came, and if you remember the story, if you know it, she spoke on behalf of God's people before the king, and she approached him without being asked. And the reason why that made a big deal of that is because they said that if she were to go into the presence of the king without being invited, she could be put to death, even as the queen, because that was something that was just a known rule. And, and so they had all these like courtship laws, and so it was such a big deal for Nehemiah to address the king. The, the king sees that there's an issue. He points it out, but because he's his cupbearer, he's his favored man, he's his trusted man, he says to him, what's the problem? What, what, what do you need? In verse 4, the king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of, of heaven. I noticed that he, he prayed again. He started with prayer. But then even in that moment, I don't know if that was just a quick prayer, like, you know, he sees his opportunity, so he quick whispers up to God, God, give me the words to say. Help me know what to do. But then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the, the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take 
and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Notice that, I set a time. Now, now pay attention here in these next couple verses. You can tell that Nehemiah has put significant thought into this. He's prayed, but he's also planned. Verse seven, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, see, he acknowledges the Lord, the king granted my request. So Nehemiah, he's given a great opportunity. And he doesn't squander it by being unprepared. He, he gives... He gives not only his vision of rebuilding the wall, but he gives his plan. He, he knows his what. He knows his when. He set a time. He knows how he's going to do it. He asks for things, very specific things. The supplies he's going to need, the letters of approval that he'll need, even materials for his own residence while he's rebuilding the wall. See, he has a vision, but he also has a plan. Dreams, dreams come easy. Everybody dreams. Everybody's got a dream. I'd love to see this better in my life. I'd love to see God do this through me. I'd love to see that happen. We have all kinds of aspirations. And it's cheap. It's easy. It's free to dream. And most people do it. But what's going to really cost you is to, to start planning and make that dream happen. But you need a vision. You do need a vision. And, and Nehemiah had a God-honoring vision. And I don't know what your vision might be today. But I'd imagine God's already been stirring it in you. And it might be a vision to, to be an amazing spouse. See, I, I want to have an incredible marriage. I want to be an amazing spouse. Or I want to be a great parent. I want to raise a godly child or godly children. Some of you are saying, man, I, I want to be the kind of friend to others that, that people just feel bigger when they're around me, that I encourage, that I uplift, that I develop people. Someone in here might say, you know what, my, my vision is I want to love Jesus like I've never loved him before. I want to be so on fire for the Lord. I want to experience his presence. I want to have this, this great faith in my life. Someone might hear say, I want to know the Bible so well. I want to study the Bible so I can teach it. I want to lead a life group. I want to develop others and disciple people and coach people and mentor people from God's word. Someone might say, I want to learn leadership because I want to lead a team or a ministry or an outreach or a nonprofit. I, I want God to use me in a big way. I don't know what your vision is or what God might stir in you, but I want to share a quote with you that I heard when I was a young man, and it stayed with me all these years, and it still rocks me. And it's by the evangelist D.L. Moody. He says, if you're going to make God your partner, then you better make big plans. See, you have a big God, so you, you better have big vision. Don't, don't skate through life with small dreams and small hopes because you have a great God. God can do amazing things, so have big vision. Nehemiah had a God-pleasing, clear direction. How clear is your direction in life? If you don't have a clear direction, then you're going to drift, and you're going to miss what God wants to do through you. Nehemiah chapter 4, turn a couple pages over. He gets permission to go. He gets the supplies he needs. He arrives, assesses the situation, and he begins the work. He recruits the team, and he goes after it. And Nehemiah chapter 4, I love verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. They did what? They worked with all their heart. Would you just say that with me? They worked with all their heart. They, 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 they poured in. They, they gave every bit of what they had available to them. They, they worked with all their heart. And, and here's why I want to just stop there for a moment. See, 
we, we have vision. A lot of us have vision for what we want God to do in our lives. We're praying big things. We're saying, God, work in me. Work in my character. Work, change me. Help me be more like Jesus. And I just want to say, if you've had a, a long-term problem in your life or you're trying to overcome something in your past, it will take you, it will require you working with all your heart to overcome that. That battle will not be one easy. Some of you want to grow stronger in your faith and you're closer to Jesus. You're going to have to work at it very hard with all your heart. Some of you want to serve Jesus and be used greatly, or you want to have an amazing marriage or great friendships or have godly children. You're going to have to work at that with all your heart. Some of you want to fulfill the potential, all of the potential that God has put in your life. I'm just saying you're going to have to work at that with all your heart. See, I'll put it this way in your notes. I cannot have big dreams for a big God and not expect to carry big responsibility. That's all together. But some believers think, I can have big dreams, and I serve a big God, so he'll just make it happen. And certainly there are times where God asks us to sit back and wait and watch him work and part the sea in ways that we can never do it. But, but more often than not, as you see God work in Scripture, he works out his plans through his people. And so if you want God to do more, you got, I got big dreams, I serve a big God, it's going to happen. Well, yes, when you carry big responsibility. When you say, God, I'm, I'm willing to do what I need to do. See, Scott Thomas said, we like the promises of God. But we don't always like the processes of God. <laughs> we, we love the promises of God. God, you're going to do that immeasurably more of me. But when the process involves me doing immeasurably more than I've ever done before, that's where we pull back and we miss out. See, God wants to do more, and Nehemiah had a plan. And by the way, his, his plans were birthed in prayer. Are, are your plans, is your vision birthed in prayer? Is it bathed in prayer? Because the best plans come out of the prayer closet. They, they come out of the time with God. And Nehemiah has this God-honoring plan, and he's going after it, and they start working on it. It says they work on it with all their heart. And, and, and some people have exempted themselves from being used greatly by God because they don't understand this character quality here, this strength test, the strength of character that Nehemiah had. See, God would use Nehemiah to do such amazing things here in this story, and, and he, he blesses God's people in an amazing way. But he knew that it was going to require him carrying big responsibility. And I think that some people limit their potential in God because they don't think that it will require whatever it takes. They think that it'll just require half effort. And they, they, they don't pour themselves in. They don't give up all of themselves. And God doesn't do all that he wants in their life. Or worse yet, they don't think that it's required of them. They don't, they don't think to, to fulfill their potential that they have to work with all their heart. But if you look at the characters throughout the Bible, we're studying Nehemiah today, but if you look at someone like the Apostle Paul, who some say was the greatest church planner, greatest missionary to ever live. I mean, he, he worked so hard. Look at, look at the, the men and women of God that, that were throughout Scripture did so much for him. Look how hard they worked. Look at Paul. He's writing letters to believers even from prison. He's traveling, which is exhausting, from city to city, starting churches. He's preaching. He's discipling believers in conversations with people, coaching them along. Look at all he did, and in the midst of persecution, they stoned him. They tried to, to kill him. He's running for his life. He's shipwrecked. He's in, a, he's in the ocean. Just, just, I mean, he, he, he is literally like fighting for his life. He's working so hard. But you know, you don't have to just look at the characters of the Bible, the men and women of God, to see how hard you have to work to pursue all that God wants in your life. Look at God himself. When I was in school, uh, they, they were teaching us how to study the Bible and, and how, how to really understand it. And they said, you always want to ask a couple questions, everything that you read in the Bible. You want to, you want to ask, what do I do? So what, what is this telling me to do? What, what do I need to know in my life? 
But also, what does this teach me about God? And that gets overlooked. A lot of people just look for the Bible for instructions, but we're actually also given God's word to know him. So everything I read in the Bible, who, who is God? Who do I see him to be in this? Who, who do I know about his nature and his character? And if you had never read the Bible before at all, you weren't familiar with it, and you started reading Genesis chapter one, verse one, do you know what one of the first things you would learn about God by asking that question, who is God? One of the very first things that you would learn about God in the very opening pages of the book, you know what you'd learn? You would learn two things. One, God has an exceptionally high vision. He has huge expectations. I mean, just read the opening days of creation. God created the heavens and the earth and all their vastness, and he filled them with living creatures. I mean, he didn't create little, just little hills. He created beautiful mountains and, and soaring heights. He, he created amazing valleys and oceans filled, not just with water, but all kinds of living creatures. Have you seen like a saltwater fish tank and all the, the beauty of the colors and the, the fish? And I mean, have you seen all the animals that God filled up this earth with? I mean, he made a giraffe and an elephant and a zebra. I mean, he's got so much creativity, so much vision. He didn't just put one kind of plant. He, could, he just could have put, hey, here's a shrub. Have fun. He made palm trees and all kinds of beautiful things. I mean, he could have just made it one animal. Here's a donkey. There you go. It's all you need. No, he, he made all kinds of stuff. Huge vision. Huge expectations. You would learn that about God just by reading scripture. But then you know what else you'd learn right, right in that same pages? You, you would learn that God is an incredible worker. For six days he created. Six days he worked. And then on the seventh he rested from all his what? all his work, all his work of creating. So he has huge vision and he is, will work really hard to get there. And, and we're made, by the way, in the image of God. So you are made to have huge vision. Some of you are missing out on what God wants to do in your life and your future because you have minimized your vision. You've thought, oh no, I'm just supposed to be content with, with, with what's going on. You're misunderstanding scripture. The Bible talks about being content for sure, but it's not talking about it in terms of vision. It's talking about battling greed and being content in Christ. He's all I need, Jesus. You're all that I really need in life, and, and I don't need the possessions of this world to be happy. It is not talking about your vision and expectations. We, we should have this immeasurably more mindset that, God, I want you to do greater things through me. This world is full of people that are perishing. There's people in poverty. There's violence. There's countries being torn apart. God is looking for people who will step up and say, God, I got a bigger vision. I have a burden. Use me. Do greater things through me. But so many people are missing out because they've lowered, they've lowered down their vision. They're not living in the image of God like they were created to be fully. They have a small vision. Or they have big vision, big dreams for a big God, but they're not willing to carry big responsibility. I'll work here and there. I'll kind of do my part. I'll help out and I'll fit in. But, but they're, they're not really going after it and rolling up their sleeves. And here Nehemiah's got both. I got a big vision for a big God, but I'll carry that big responsibility. I love the words of... 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So that tells me that God's up in heaven and he's looking down at the Tampa Bay area and he's looking down at Clearwater and he's looking at Palm Harbor and he's looking in Dunedin and Largo, and Tarpon Springs Ozona, I see you over there. I mean, he, he's, he's looking this whole area. He's looking all throughout the Tampa Bay area. He's, he's looking. He's looking. He's, oh, there's one. There's one safety harbor. I see him. And, and, and he says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. To what? To strengthen those. The strength test, he's strengthening those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And he's looking for people like Nehemiah who are fully in. They're saying, God, I, I'm all in. And not for me, but for you. 
And he'll strengthen them. He'll empower them. See, God wants to do more, but some people miss out on the more that God wants to do because they don't understand this. They don't understand this character strength that's required to see God do more in them. Now, I think some people misunderstand scripture here too where they think, well, I thought faith is all I need. I thought it was just it was only by faith. That's all I need. What are we talking about? It's not about my works. And, and let me clarify, because maybe some of you are new to your faith journey. And let me just say this. Your salvation, being saved from your sins, a relationship with the Father, going to heaven, that is all by faith. We believe that. Scripture's clear on that. You have nothing to do with that. Like all the greatest things, all the eternal things, we don't have anything to do with. That's what's so great about God. While we were in our sin, he gave his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. So we receive freely, only by faith, only by faith, not by our works, salvation. I'm saved from my sin through Jesus. That's it. No, not my works. See, if you get into works, that's where religion comes in. If I got to work for my salvation, then you get into this hypocritical, judgmental religiosity and who's better, who's worth, who, who's, who's a better Christian. That, that stuff's just detestable in God's sight. He's like, your, your best is like filthy rags to me. I have a perfect standard. You haven't reached this. It's like, so, so he's like, I'm going to give it to you through Christ if you'll just receive him. So that's our, our, our salvation. It's not by our works. But some people take that and they misinterpret it and they think, well, so if I have faith, that's all I need. If I, if I have faith, then I, I don't need to work. It's just, it's all God. God's gonna do it all. And that's not what the Bible says. In fact, you know what it says in the book of James? It says faith without works is what? It's dead. Some of you know that verse. It's faith without works is dead. It's dead. So you, you, you can't really please God without faith, but you also can't please God without your work. Because if you don't work, if you don't, if you don't go after what God wants to do in your life, you can't have a living faith, and that pleases God. And it says faith without works is dead. Here, here's how I put it in your teaching notes. When asking God to do his work, don't neglect your work. <laughs> don't, don't neglect your work. When you're, when you're begging God to do something, don't neglect that he might have a role for you to play in it. I see this in Nehemiah's story in chapter 4, down in verse 7. Nehemiah 4, verse 7, it says, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead, the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They see this potential superpower emerging within their region. They don't want the city to be rebuilt. They don't want this, this new power in their area. They're, they're angry. And it says, They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and, everybody say and, Come on, say and. We prayed to God and posted guard day and night to meet this threat. You know, the first seven weeks in, in this new building, we moved in the beginning of March, the first seven weeks, I for six of those weeks and PK for one of those weeks, we taught about prayer. We taught about prayer every single week. Jesus changes everything. Because we wanted to begin that way. That's, that's how we want to set aside this new space that God's given us for ministry because because it is all about prayer, and it's all about God working in and through our lives, and so it has to begin and end with prayer, and Nehemiah, his story began with prayer, and we could talk about that. They prayed every time there was a challenge, that they prayed, you know, every time the, the king, he had an opportunity, I, he prayed. So we're not going to talk about prayer today. We, we began there, but what I want to talk about is, is, is this, this word, and, because some of us are praying, and we're praying desperate prayers. God, change that person. God, change my situation. God, help me out. But it says they prayed and they posted guard and they did their part. They both were working together. And, and it, when I asked that question in your notes, when I made that statement, that, that's for your benefit. Because some of us are asking God to do his work, but we're neglecting doing the work of God. 
I really respect people who are into hot sauce. I, I, I can't do it. I'll be honest with you. I, I just can't handle it. But some of you, you just you love hot sauce. I, I have friends that will pour literally like a whole thing of like the, the hottest hot sauce all over there. They'll just douse everything they eat in this. I'm like, how do, I got some serious respect. It's on my, my list of questions when I get to heaven, actually. It's like, you know, your heaven list. It's like, God, why do people purposely burn their tongues? I don't understand. I just never, I don't get it. I ask them. They're like, I just taste, I don't get it. But I, I don't even do really like real hot drinks. I sometimes will get like a caramel apple cider from like Starbucks or something when it's cool. Or not, I, I, but I don't even really do hot drinks. But but you you, you have a hot drink and, and, and you know you, you you love that that feeling when it goes down. And it's just it's just hot and you just love that. But but maybe you've had a hot drink before and you set it down at a table. You took you took a little sip. You set it down and you got in a conversation with somebody. It's a really engaging conversation. You start talking. You forgot about your drink and, and you're in the conversation. And like ten minutes later, you, you realize that your drink's still there and you you pick it up and you take a drink. Oh, uh, it's, it's now what is it? It's lukewarm. It's got, it's got cool on you. And, and it's not cold, but it's not hot. It's, it's just, ugh. It's like, ugh. Have you ever drank something you just wanted to spit it out? You're like, oh, that's sour. That doesn't taste good. You, just, you want to spit it out. In, in Revelation, Jesus talks, he's addressing a church, and he talks about their, their, their passion for the Lord, their faith. And he says, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And he said, if you were cold, then you would know you're not hot, and then you would make a change. You would know what you don't have, or where I really want you to be is hot. But right now, you're kind of lukewarm. And I think a lot of Christians exist right there in that lukewarm state. I, I wonder if some of us here today find ourselves in that, in that position. We don't want to be there, but that's where we are. And, and we're kind of lukewarm and following Jesus. We're kind of halfway in. We're, we're, we're one foot in, one foot out. We'll kind of worship God when it's convenient. We'll show up when it's convenient. We'll, we'll pray and read the Bible when we have extra time. But we're not all the way in, and we're saying, God, do big things, but, but we're not going after it. We're not, we're not doing the work of God. We're just asking God to work. God wants to work, and he will work even when you're not working. He's always drawing you to him. But the greatest work of God will only be accomplished when you're praying for God to do his work and you're doing the work of God. Do you need to turn up the temperature today for what the Lord wants to do? My, you know, my, my burden today, my, my heart in this, probably in this series, but especially in this moment today, is, is I, I, did you guys ever drive a stick shift vehicle before? And my first, my first vehicle, some of you have, my, my first vehicle is a stick shift. And that's kind of fun when you, you press that, that, that pedal down and you crank it back to second gear and then the third gear and the fourth gear and the fifth gear. Some of you know, you've always driven an automatic. You have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you, it's awesome. And go, go get to play a video game, you know, some video game places. You can do the shifting. It's awesome. And, and I love just cranking up to a new gear. Because if you, if you pull out on the highway and you go on US 19 in third gear, you're not going to go very fast. It's going to be real loud. It's, it's not the experience that, you, that fifth gear is. Fifth gear, you can go. And, and my prayer, my burden in this series is that some of you, I know not everyone will be able to do this right now, but, but my prayer is that some people today, that you, you're kind of cruising along in third gear in your faith, maybe second gear. And, and, and just that God would use this message today in your heart to say, you know what? I want the character of Nehemiah, the whatever it takes, I'm all in Jesus. I want to have the strength in my life that you would just take that, that lever and you would just shift it up to a new gear. And you'd say, God, I want to be more all in. I'm willing to go after what you're going after in my life. I'm not going to be content to just pray. I'm going to go after it and I'm going to work hard like Nehemiah. You know, they were working to build that wall. Where do you need to turn up the temperature in your life for what you want God to build up? Well, we begin by, by digging down to building the foundation. We do our work as God works. But I want you to notice one more thing here that's just so important because when God starts to work in your life, you're gonna face opposition. And this just discourages me as a pastor so many times when I see 
someone start to take steps of faith and they're, they're stepping forward and God's working and I see where that's gonna go for them. I'm like, that's gonna be so good in their life. But then it's just like a wave. It just crashes over them and it just pulls them back and the, the obstacles when they come. And Nehemiah faced some obstacles in Nehemiah chapter four down in verse seven. When Sanballat and Tobias and all these guys, they, they, see, that there's, they, they see that there's this uh, progress, they're angry. But then notice what they do down in verse 10. Verse 10, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the walls. Also, our enemies uh, have said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Verse 12, then the Jews who live near them came and told them 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So there's a whole bunch of things going on here. There's all kinds of opposition. There's angry enemies that are plotting against them. The strength of their workers is giving out. You ever been in the middle of the pro- a project and your, your team's just kind of exhausted? You're exhausted. I mean, we, we got to that point, I think, a couple months into this building renovation. We wanted to get in, but we, some of us were just winded. And, and the strength of the workers is giving out. And, and it's the vision, the project is so big. They said the enemy is, is planning to take them out unexpectedly at any time. Their fellow Jews, their brothers and sisters, their, their team is saying, hey, hey, wherever you turn, disaster is going to happen. There's a pending attack. So all these things that are going on, uh, it, it's, it's overwhelming. It's a huge obstacle. And you're going to face obstacles, but, but f- facing one more, more than one obstacle at a time, that requires tremendous strength of character. Some of you walked in here today, and you're, you're, you're fighting battles on more than one front. And, and that's difficult. That takes real character to win in that, in that season of life. And, and you know what? The bigger the opportunity, the bigger the opposition. And the internal battles are probably the, the biggest and the worst. Some of you come in here today and you're facing discouragement, maybe even depression, which don't try to fight that alone. Get help, reach out. And, and here's the thing. Some of us have some internal battles going on and, the, and, and God is, is trying to strengthen your character. He's trying to strengthen you on the inside because he knows if he can win that battle on the inside, then any battle that happens on the outside, he can, he can bring victory. But, but some of you, like Nehemiah, are facing some, some, some battles right now. You're facing some obstacles and I want, to re- I want to encourage you to re- refuse to quit. Re- refuse to sit around. I know the temptation for me when something's not going in my life is just to, to look at it, just stare at it and complain about it and get discouraged about it. I don't like this. This isn't going good. It's not what I want. But, but listen, if, you, if you'll stop staring at the worst in your life, if you'll pick your head up and start pointing your direction towards what God's best is for you, you will find tremendous motivation. And, and, and you just need to know this truth that's in your notes. Big progress requires overcoming big obstacles. And some people don't realize that and they set out to do great things for God and then they face obstacles and they get discouraged and they quit. You need to know that, that there's gonna be big obstacles. If you wanna change your character, if you wanna uproot an addiction, if you wanna improve a relationship, I'm just telling you, it's gonna be hard work. And if you don't know that, you're gonna give up when it gets hard. And I hate seeing, I hate seeing people give up. Nehemiah knew that it was gonna be difficult, so he, re- he reminded them of, of what matters. And he stationed, if you read verses 13 and 14, he stationed them in, in their work positions. He stationed them by families. Uh, the workers were working in front of their homes where their people lived at their various spots. So if you lived over here on the south side, he'd have you work on the south side of the wall. And he did that to remind them what they were working for, what their why was, what their motivation was. And, and, they, and they worked and they built this wall. But notice verse, four, verse 15. It says, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to do our own work. So God rescued them. He helped them through the obstacle as he'll help you. 
From that day on, half of the men did their work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind the people of Judah who were, who were building the wall. Those who carried material did their work with one hand. Check this out. They did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. Each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. See, they, they equipped themselves. They trained themselves. They prepared themselves for the battles, and they fought through them. We, we have to be disciplined. We, we have to work hard, and we have to, we have to prepare ourselves for the challenges that we're going to face. And, and, and a question I left for you in your teaching notes is this. Does my discipline for God match my dreams for God? I think this is what I'm, I'm trying to say today is that if, if I have great dreams for God, but I'm not willing to be disciplined and work hard for him, I can't expect for God to do all that he wants to do in my life. So you can't always win the obstacle that you're up against in that moment. It might be a season where you're battling something. You, you might be stuck in your career and, and you're doing everything you can and, and, and you got someone ahead of you. You want that promotion, but you, it's not available for you right now, but you don't feel like you're supposed to transfer and change jobs and you just feel stuck. You know, that's an obstacle that you should be praying about, but don't be disheartened because I, I learned this from John Maxwell. He said, when you, when you get stuck in some area of your life, just go grow in another area of your life. Because you can't always control your situation, but you can control your response to your situation. When our church moved purposefully from this inspiring uh, auditorium that we started in over at Countryside High School, and we moved to the hotel ballroom that we were in for seven months, that was a difficult season for me. I don't know anybody around me really knew that, but between me and God, that was a tough season because I wanted more for our church. I wanted our church to get into a building. I knew what that meant and what the opportunities for us to minister would be. But I felt a little stuck, and I was praying, and I was looking. I was looking at every building that popped up. Is this available? Can we get it? Can we afford it? And I, just, I was stuck. And I was still praying, and I was doing my part. But you know what? During that season, I was, I was growing some other things. I was like, God, I'm going to work on my preaching. I'm going to work on my prayer life. I'm going to try to be more surrendered to you. And I, I was finding some growth in my life, even though I wanted more in another area for our church. And, and I wasn't able to, to, to bring that. I wasn't able to do more and advance more like I wanted to see happen. And in fact, it was a, a difficult season. And we pulled back, but I knew God had more. And so I wasn't going to give up. So I moved to another, another area. Some of you, you got a spouse you're praying for, that they'll come to Jesus or that you're working hard in the marriage, they're not, and you're, you're saying, God, I want this to get better. And, and you're doing everything you can and keep doing that. But maybe you need to grow in some other area. Maybe you focus on your spiritual life and you'll see growth there. That might, that might come over here and impact that. You're stuck in your career. Well, maybe I can go and develop myself, get some more skills, some more abilities. That, that might come back and, and impact this other area of my life. What if, what if you said, I'm always gonna grow. I'm always gonna work hard. I'm always gonna be my best for the Lord. I'm gonna be disciplined. I'm gonna chase every dream that he's put in my heart. But when I feel stuck and when I see obstacles, I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna press through the difficult times and see God do immeasurably more. So here, here's the question. Where do you need to improve your foundation? Where do you need to work harder so that God can do more in your life? This is only one aspect of character. This is just where we're starting. We're gonna look at a different character every week and a different attribute, a different character quality. But today, the strength test is a test that many of us, if we can step up to it, God will grow up in us something greater. He will be able to build more as we dig down and build a greater foundation. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today. We can move mountains.